folks. Thank you for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. Tonight, it's a blending of Kate's Castle and Kaiser's Castle again. We're going to touch on leadership traits, both Army and Marine. I'm going to start out with the Marine Corps traits. But thank you for sitting on my big orange couch, grabbing your coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation. And uh, just chill out. Enjoy the show as you are sitting in Kaiser's Castle. How are you doing tonight, Kate? I am doing Awesome. It is a nice warm night. It's a nice balmy 72 degrees here in the Appalachian Mountains. And stars are out. The bugs are out. The biting vampire insects are out. It's a great night. Oh, that's just joy. I'll tell you the funniest thing was today that we had no air movement unless you're moving in a car. (laughs) So here we go to uh, jump into this. Oh, just because I don't know if I'll be on the show, I wanted to let everybody know. Uh, Just before we start into the leadership traits, my first war started on August 7th when uh, 1st FSG Military Police Company deployed to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and uh, as my Marine Corps unit, my second uh, military unit, or, you know, second uh, military branch. My final was National Guard, and that was in 1990. We were in the Port of Ras al-Jabal and other places, task forces, Ripper, Grizzly, and Tarawa. So I wanted to shout out the boys and the girls that I served with during that time because August 7th of this year, 2020, is 30 years, folks. So just wanted to give a shout out to First FSG. Now, um, getting to... The subject matter, Marine Corps leadership traits, justice. It's JJ did tie buckle for people that don't, uh, that want to try to keep up. And it's an, an acronym for justice, judgment, dependability, initiative, decisiveness, tact, integrity, endurance, bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and enthusiasm. And I'll try to break them down as succinctly as I can. Justice is the practice of being fair and consistent. A just person gives consideration to each side of the situation and bases rewards or punishment on the merit of each. Judgment. Often you have to assess a situation quickly and without significant time to reflect. So we have a 70% solution, meaning it may be an imperfect solution, but it can be acted upon quickly and adapted to fairly easily. Dependability. Amidst the stress and chaos of combat, there is often no telling how people will react. A hero one day may be a catatonic wreck the next. Some would say that that's perfectly understandable. Marines say that's totally unacceptable. Marines demand demand dependability in all situations. Initiative. Find a way to take the initiative. Don't do it for the recognition or for the glory. Do it to help accomplish the mission. Decisiveness. Research indicates that most people make take decisions intuitively rather than analytically more than 90% of the time. That's But once you take a decision, you have to live with that decision, good, bad, or indifferent. 
or as we used to say, come shit or bleed. Tact, the ability to communicate in a language that best allows a listener to understand the message and the meaning that's being communicated and to be motivated to act upon it. So you don't always have to address somebody with, go do this, you little MFer. That's not what it's about. And you have to have the maturity to uh, know what type of language you have to use. Sometimes you do have to use a little spice. Integrity. And a leader reflects is reflected by the honesty as well as, excuse me, a desire to inspire and a devotion of the values that a leader consistently tries to communicate to those that he or she leads. And you have to have the integrity to admit when you're wrong and take the credit for that and also have the integrity to admit when you, you know, that, yeah, you did this if it was a good thing, but it's not like you're looking for, uh, uh, how do I put it? It's not like you're looking for a slaps on the back. Endurance. The enduring leader defaults to responsibility. If something must be done, then it must be done, even if the best resources or relevant training aren't available. Now, that was one of the things that we used to always say. We'd say, Semper Gumby, always flexible. And, uh, but, that, but if you're in a leadership position, you can be flexible. We used to say we got the hand-me-downs from the Army. And we really did. But, but uh, there was an old adage in both the Army and the Marine Corps, I remember, that if you need two things to make a system work, you're usually going to be short on one or the other. And that's completely true. Bearing. A Marine must have bearing. And it's driven towards a goal with purpose. Jumping at opportunities with self-improvement and increase the ability to reach that goal. Bearing is about channeling that drive to other people as well as yourself. It has to come from within you. Leaders with bearing know where they stand and they understand the environment in which they work. Unselfishness. An unselfish leader takes a decision that benefits as many as possible without worrying too much about themselves. That means you're not trying to benefit from any decision that you take. Courage. Courage is never an easy commodity to find. Whether it's disciplining a subordinate, standing up to superiors, or facing swarms of charging enemies, courage is situational. It lives in the moment when it is required by people that believe in themselves and with priorities beyond personal comfort and the risk of pain or failure. Knowledge, the business of knowing what to do and how to do it. It lifts the leader above the crowd. Knowledge goes beyond the facts of the job. It's also knowledge of your team, who they are and what motivates them. It's knowledge of the culture in which you work so that you understand what your superiors' goals and missions are and you achieve them. Loyalty. A leader expresses loyalty to his subordinates by supporting their needs and ensuring their welfare. In a number of ways, subordinates express loyalty to that sort of caring leadership by positively and efficiently carrying out the leader's orders and or instructions. Loyalty is the most common expression of all Marines. And, that, and it's probably one of the most important 
characteristics of JJ the tie buckle enthusiasm. When we're enthusiastic about something, we're willing to sacrifice it. People who are enthusiastic about a cause will sacrifice time, money, and even their lives for it. People who are enthusiastic about their jobs will make personal sacrifices, spend time at work, educate themselves, and do the best job. Men and women who are enthusiastic about being Marines understand sacrifice might come at a very high price, up to and including their death. And with that being said, Kate, you can jump on in with the uh, Army leadership traits, and I'll mute myself while you do that. Well, actually, I'm not going to be hitting on the Army leadership traits. I'm going to be hitting on the company and team leadership traits. That way, in business world, because I am no longer in the military, um, and even though, I mean, I would love to hit the Army leadership traits, but they are basically the same as the Marines. Um so there's no point in the redundancy there. Um, but not all situations require the same type of leadership style. Um, great leaders, they adapt to their surrounding environments and they empower their team to succeed together. That's just like what you were talking about with the Marine Corps leadership traits. They work as a team and not, even though they do train individually they also train as a team so that way they can work as a team and be team players the best leaders they're passionate about developing the emergent leaders around them um, they're constantly working to improve their emotional intelligence and they know that a strong team culture is the foundation for accomplishing the mission it is very important to have that camaraderie so everyone knows that in that team culture, that foundation and the basis for that foundation, you have to have that to accomplish the mission. Um, they are a, a good team leader is a perpetual, they have rented lips tonight. They are in a perpetual state of preparedness and embrace the inevitable changes that a team or a business uh, will face. They have to be able to, to adapt. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit on 10, 10 points. Um, and I'm going to try to make it as interesting as I possibly can so people aren't falling asleep this late at night. Um, number one would be you need to have faith in your beliefs. You cannot expect others to consider you a leader unless you have solid faith in your ideas. If you have a plan or you have a business plan or you have a team plan, you need to believe in that plan in order for your team to believe in you where that plan is concerned. Number two is you need to make the hard choices. A leader will make hard choices and self-sacrifices in order to enhance the lives of the others around them. Um, I know a man um, which I'm going to give a shout out here in a second to True North Enterprises. Um, the director for them, he sacrifices everything to ensure that his team has what they need to succeed. I admire that man for the things that he has done at True North. Um, and I, I would like to learn by his example of the hard choices that he has made. Um, number three is you have to earn the respect of your team. 
earning the respect is crucial to the successful relationship with anyone. Having the ability to show respect, empathy, and care to those that follow you are attributed to a great leader. If you do not have the empathy, you do not have the respect, if you don't, do not have the care of the people on your team, your team will fail. You have to respect your team and your team has to respect you. If there is no respect, again, you have no team. Number four, know your team. Knowing the strengths and weaknesses of every individual on your team to effectively manage the outcome of your team is imperative for success. Leaders have a great vision and use the resources at hand to solve their problems. They take risks and they make the difficult decisions knowing that they could sometimes be wrong. If you own your screw-up, nobody can come down on you. Well, they can, but you've already owned it. So you've owned your mistakes. Learn from those mistakes and move on. If you dwell on those mistakes, then you're stuck there. You are not moving on. You have to move on. And number five, know the people Excuse me, know that the people are the success to who you are. You are not alone. You are not a dictator. A good leader knows that it is the people. They understand that the people that they lead ultimately determines the success or failure of any venture. They will surround themselves with great people that they can cultivate into a team of competent, confident individuals who can work as a team. They have the ability to guide the team toward a well-defined vision by clearly communicating short and long-term goals. If you can inspire confidence and trust among your colleagues and influencing common efforts through character rather than by a position of authority, then you can build a successful team. If you are busy trying to be authoritative of this is my team, this is my company, this is my business, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we are going to do it, your team is not going to want to follow you. But if you can stand back and say, these are my goals, can you give me ideas and suggestions on how to achieve these goals, then everyone is involved in the decision making and you are not a dictator. Number six, articulate your clear vision. A great leader possesses a clear vision. It will encourage, has integrity, honesty, humility, and a clear focus. Just like in the Marine Corps, the integrity, honesty, humility, and courageous. He or she is a strategic planner and they believe in teamwork. You have to be a strategic planner. You have to have a business plan. You have to have an operational plan in order to move forward. Because if you do not, you're just running off by the seat of your pants and you are not going to succeed. And great leaders help people reach their goals. 
they're not afraid to hire people that might be better than themselves. And they take pride in the accomplishment of those that they help along the way. You can have a business plan, but if you do not hire somebody who can be or is better than you and that can take over your job as a CEO or a manager, then in my opinion, you are not a true leader. Number seven, encourage people to be their best. Everyone has faults. Everyone is going to screw up. Acknowledge those screw-ups and move on. You do not have to dwell on them and embarrass them constantly. Oh my gosh, you screwed up. So what? Have clarity of purpose and articulate your belief. You encourage their, your, your team, your people to be the best that they can be because you can push them in that encouragement to build a better team. A person can walk one mile and be tired. A person can walk a mile and a half and be pushed to go that extra half a mile. And then they can be pushed to go an extra half a mile after that. And once they realize that they can do it, it is easier the next day to come back and do it again. Number eight, serve a greater cause. Great leaders can be determined by one's periodical blend of personality and personal humility and unparalleled will to lead others in the service and the cause bigger than who they are. For example, the um, the leaders that I know that fight human trafficking, they have a cause. Their cause is to go after the bad guy and rescue victims of human trafficking. Basically, the easiest way to round it out is a corporation, if that makes uh-huh. sense. So, you know, it's a corporation that uh, basically is... Uh, Performing everything, it it, it it performs logistics, either bullets, beans, gasoline, bandages, um, anything that you need, you'll find somewhere in the military, including veterinary services. Um, you'll find uh, some corporations; they may handle logistics, they may handle this, they may handle that, they may produce something. The military really produces nothing but. Their specialty is to uh, kick in doors and break things and hurt people to enforce the political will of our nation state, and that state with a capital S. Um, anyway, so your thoughts on that? I ran it a little longer than I wanted to. No problem. I look at it like a great leader really does not set out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. I agree. Not not about the role of a leader. It's about making the difference. It's about having that goal. Um, It's not a position or a title. It's an action and example. I agree 110% on that one. Uh, You have to have complete buy-in, like I said. Uh, Even if you think a job is ridiculous, you have to uh, have buy-in to it. And, you know, I can talk about one job I did in Afghanistan. You know, uh, I knew what the outcome would be. You know, this was for Democracy International. Uh, They were, they sent in monitors 
for the Afghan election in 2010, and we were bodyguarding the monitors. And I told my two clients, I was like, look, you guys are being real diligent about taking your notes. I get that. I said, but the problem is uh, they're just going to get thrown away. And they were like, yeah, right. Like, what do you know? Okay. And when at the end of it, we were taking boxes from everybody on DI and throwing them in the dumpster at the uh, Intercontinental Hotel in Kabul. My two clients just happened to be walking out and said, what are you throwing away? I said, well, your, your election reports, everybody's election reports from this whole mission. And they're like, huh? I said, you want me to pull out your report? And they're like, nah. And they just walk away. So, so that's the reality of this thing. But, but I knew that. But I just told them during the election cycle, I'm like, you know, because I'll, honestly, they're taking so much time that they were kind of hazarding some of the movement. And we didn't get to all the polling stations, which was more critical for us to be able to relay back to superiors so that they could do the write-up and say if there's a problem at any polling station so they would know. That was the, that was the overall mission, but the DI people were just nothing more than window dressing and justification for it. And, but see, they didn't need to know that. But, you know, my clients were decent people, and I was just trying to tell them, hey, and I had another mission where I went against everything that I believe, and uh, I did the best job I could, and I found out the truth on it. So, you know, you have to have buy-in, even if it's the worst thing you've done, or you don't really believe in it. You know what I mean? Did that make sense? Absolutely. Basically, in my opinion, what I heard you say, um, to shorten it up, is it does not matter what the mission is, whether you like the mission or not, take the mission because you can learn from it. Exactly. Exactly. Some of my best missions were my worst missions. And that's the truth. Exactly. Um, so just, just to uh, conclude this out real quick, a leader takes people where they want to go, but a great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but they ought to be. Exactly. And they know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a, no, that's exactly correct. Um, you know, there's a reason why I was picked for this job and that job and this job. And it's because people saw something in me that I didn't see in me. And you that's another part. Uh, when you're trying to work. Um, um, what do you call it? Um, oh, shoot. Um, brain uh, cramps. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a brain fart because there's typing happening and I'm seeing messages. Uh, well, okay. Well, while so, you're brain cramping and you're thinking, um, no, 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 no. We, the, these are personal messages from my wife, and she knows I'm down here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the point is, I just gotta mind dump it for a minute anyways go on and say something because i lost track of what i was going to say i'm having a senior moment a good objective of leadership is to help those who are doing poorly to do well and to help those who are doing well to do even better so what i'm now that i am retired and um, a lot of people already know this now, so it is already out. Um, 
we are taking um, resumes and applications for um, instructor positions for a um, a new company that we're starting called GSET. It stands for it's G SET stands for Global Survival Exigency Training. Um, basically, we will be training people to be trace, track, uh, rescue, and extracting victims of human trafficking. And um, the one of the the bases for this training is leadership, and it is not. It, not everyone is going to be perfect in their training and some people will be doing poorly and some people will be doing very well. The ones who are doing poorly, I want to put in a leadership position of a team as they are training because that is how they are going to be getting their confidence to learn to be a true leader. Those who are doing well and that, that they are doing better and doing better than the ones who are doing poorly can reach down and help those doing poorly. Usually you find that if you put a person who is doing well in a leadership position, they overlook the person who is doing poorly and they only choose to help those who are equal to them. I, I want agree a, with you. Yeah. I want the one who is doing poorly to be in a leadership position. So the one who is doing well can reach up to the one who is doing poorly and help them. Exactly. We had a mentorship when I was both in the Army and the Marine Corps. They pushed it really heavily. And that's why on my channel, Sword Point Nine, uh, on, on YouTube, that I push a lot of that. Uh, and the reason for that is the military no longer does that. I talked with a sergeant major in the Army. And he said they got away with, like, uh, what they had NCO time, where it was usually over a few beers. The sergeant major is talking to everybody underneath who's in some sort of leadership role. And it could be an acting jack, somebody who's actually not an NCO but is in a leadership role, you know, a spec four or whatever. Um, I've seen this happen numerous times. Or we still had spec fives and spec sixes and stuff when I came in, you know. When uh, we hire at our uh, company, we look for, I look for three traits um, when we hire new agents. It's uh, my HR director hires for different reasons. Well, I want to feel your scars before I see your trophies. She wants to see your trophies before she feels your scars. So when a person sends in their resume or they send in their application to work at Phoenix Federation LLC International, they, um, they go through HR first. I, I have the final say of who gets hired, but she, Victoria, her name is Victoria. She, she does, um, all of the main interviews for the main agents. And what I look for is I can teach you tactics. I cannot teach you character. And there's a lot of times that I'm asked, what type of people 
are hired at Phoenix. Well, we have everything from janitors to private contractors to CEOs to all kinds of things. But what I what I want to know is what can you tell me about yourself when I hire someone? I want to hear about your character. What do you think about your character? What can you tell me about your character? I'm looking for the guy with integrity because that's who he is. Because he's in it for what the job is and what can help him grow as a person and not because the job will give him a name. I want the quiet guy that knows his skill set, not a skill set that knows the loud guy, if that makes sense to anyone out there. It makes sense to me. So, No, the, it makes the, sense. Perfect sense because um they're, they're seeing it now within different communities and one in particular where everybody's fucking writing a book but how many yeah. books do you see coming from special forces troopers not right. many you know oda guys just tend not to do that um usually you'll have different agencies or whatever somebody will write a book but they do the right thing they run it through the chain of command to make sure they're not throwing any classified training or, you know, just a myriad of things that could sacrifice somebody's, uh, let's say, a confidential informant, you know, j different things like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The second thing I look for is social intelligence. Do they know how to have an intelligent conversation? When I give a verbal interview, there's sometimes that, I, I like the individual's resume, but I will give them a, a, a telephonic conversation. And if they do not have the intelligence to give me a conversation telephonically, they don't get the job. They need, they need to know when to shut up. They need to know when to keep quiet. When I ask a yes or no question, I expect a yes or no answer. I do not need a 15-minute dissertation of why you are answering it yes or no and then give me a yes or no answer that tells me right there you really don't want the job that bad i just asked you a yes or no question answer it yes or no now if i ask you an open-ended question then i expect that 10 to 15 minute dissertation of explaining yourself the third thing is emotional intelligence I need to know if an individual can be able to navigate any environment emotionally. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care. Like I said, I don't want to see your trophies. Your trophies mean nothing to me. I don't care what you've achieved from yesterday. Who are you today? I am hiring you today, not yesterday. I don't want to know what you can offer me. I want to know what you can offer yourself to benefit both of us. How do you know what you're truly capable of? I want you to tell me that. How do you know that you're a warrior if you've never been to war? And I'm not talking just a physical war where you pick up your arms and you shoot at somebody. We're talking emotional intelligence. Are you a warrior within yourself? 
can you fight the demons and the battles within yourself? When a warrior loses a war, he loses his purpose. So the warrior needs to serve the public. And a warrior hat or a warrior insignia on a jacket or something like that does not a warrior make. Therefore, show me how you are a warrior. I do not mean let's go hand-to-hand combat with the boss. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is are you an emotional warrior? Can you handle yourself emotionally? Can you get in front of an enemy and can you actually work through your emotions on a split second and do what, do what it takes to save that life that I'm hiring you for? When you look in the mirror, what battle are you fighting and can you handle that battle? Because, like I said, when a warrior loses a war, he loses his purpose. So a warrior is in a battle, and he is usually in a battle within himself, especially in the industry that you and I have been in, Chef, is we have demons that we have to fight. and sometimes Every day, yeah. On a constant basis. Absolutely. I, like I said, I want to feel your scars before I see your trophies. Exactly. And it means nothing to me to see a trophy or a badge or something to say, this is what I've done. I don't care about that. I want to feel your scars. Not just that. The world is full of Walter Mitty's. I mean, yeah. you and I, you and I have met Jack Rose that, uh, in different levels. I mean, uh, that you know, say they're this, they're that, write books or whatever, and you meet them, and you're like, like talk to them about something they should know because you were there, and all of a sudden they're like, huh, what, huh? <laughs> you know, they can't get down to details, or they'll say, you know, just Jack and Mo's, and um, that's the whole point of it. Uh, there was a um, when you said that, it, it, it uh, brought to mind my first mentor, who's still alive. Um, me and him talk a lot still, you know. But my first mentor, I'll never forget him. Um, his first thing he said to me was, you don't have to say everything. Just do. And your performance will show what you know. And that held What is true. Absolutely. Yeah, that held me in good stead. And the other thing I, I learned in college that a professor taught me, it was a writing class, believe it or not, try to write as short as you can to get your point across. You don't need to use flowerly words, which I, I used to do all the time. I was such an idiot. And he's like, yeah, you gave me a bunch of word salad. You didn't give me your point people say, well, you should hire me because I have all of this experience. I've had executive protection experience. This is what I've done. This is who I am. This is who I've worked for. If you name drop with me, I will listen to what you have to say, but I will not hear you. As soon as you give me a name drop, oh, I've worked with General James Mattis. Okay. Should I be impressed or depressed? Because you just lost me. I do not care if you've worked with General Exactly. I care what what have you done when you worked with him? I don't care if you yep. worked with what did you do? Yeah. What was your job? I trained, yeah. yeah. I trained with him. Well, so what you trained with him? What did you do after your training? 
Yeah. Not what type of training did you have? What did you do with your training? Well, that was one thing my mentor brought up to me. I'll never forget when I left federal service completely. Uh, no, no, no. I take that back. I just lied to you. Um, oh, oh, no. It was uh, 2000 or 99. And uh, I was getting out of the guard. And I didn't really know if I'd got the job with the federal service or not. And he goes, well, um, he goes, why don't you apply to police department? And I did. And, you know, I took polygraphs past them. But then I got the call, as you do. And I was like, oh, this is my job. This is what I want to do. Right. And uh, I'll never forget it. He said that when he said for me to get a job as a cop, I'm like, you know, I really didn't like being a cop. He goes, yeah, I know that. He goes, uh, but, uh. So I went through the process with Cincinnati. I got a call the same day from Cincinnati that I got on with in, in the federal service. And it was hilarious. Uh, but that day he, he said, uh, um, Cincinnati just called afterwards, like 20 minutes later. It was hilarious. Um, but he said, the, the government spent a lot of money training you. It's time for you to give back. And that was the other part that he said. I forgot to mention that. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, what those three traits is what I look for in hiring. That is, if if you are a CEO of a multi-million dollar company or you are CEO of of a five dollar an hour company, they might be looking for something different. Maybe they want to see your trophies before they feel your scars. But in our line of work, if you do not have scars. You have not worked. Yep. You just have words. I do not want to hear your words. Yep. Actions will always prove what is true. I, I want to see your actions. Like you and I, our reputations speak for themselves. Yep. It's, we've been there. We've done that. We bought the T-shirt. We've passed that T-shirt along. Yep. Now, now I've retired and uh, at least of that portion. Right. And, that's the problem. You can never. Oh my that's goodness. A, that's a problem. You can never get completely out. <laughs> it's in our blood. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, I, I want to do one last training. No, I can't do one last training. Cause if I do one last training, then I'm going to go want to go on one last mission. And if I go on mm -hmm. one last mission, I'm not going to want to retire. I'm going to come out yeah. of retirement and, and I'm going to go kick some bad guys, butt and save some <laughs> lives. Yep. Yep. And, then, then who is going to train the people who has done the, who who wants to do the same thing that I have done or my team? Right. Have, who who is going to train them? And yeah. we need more people out there. There are more bad guys than there are good guys, and we're losing our good guys right and left because there aren't enough trained teams that know how to back up or read their teammates' body language. And that That's, is what I like about my team is, is we did not have to say anything, even though we still had our comms and we had our, um, each one of us had a body cam and a helmet cam. So everything was documented and recorded everything right. that we but we read each other's body language. I've worked with my team for, for 30 years. Um, right. my, my newest team member has been with us for six years. Yep. So 
we we can read each other's body language and know when when one person's getting ready to move or when one person's getting ready to hold back or you can just you, you just know because you've worked and trained and it's second nature you the train worst, every day i'm sorry the wor- the worst thing that i've ever been asked when i'm getting somebody to do a job mm-hmm. and no professional i know does this how much am i going to make no, oh, that's God. not what I that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear what's the job, where is it at, and for how long. You and, while you're sitting at the table. And then when they bring up dollars, you tell them this is what I want to do that. And they go yes or no. And another thing that proves a point, like you and I have been riding ATVs and all kinds of fun stuff, right? And there was there was something that you guys personally witnessed when I had an ATV rollover, mm-hmm. and that was that was uh, a while back now. And uh, my first thing after I checked my body, did my body check, uh, my wife was on the back, and my first thing I said was, "Chris, are you okay?" And she's standing up, holding my soda and her cell phone. Somehow, we still don't know how she landed on her feet on that steep hill. None of us do. And like, we still don't know how the ATV landed in the tree. But or did she drop the soda? No. They were both gripped in her hands, brother. Uh, That's if, amazing. If you're in a panic, if you're in a panic you, your hands will grip. That's one of the reasons why the training that uh, Kate and I are talking about Like, uh, what's the natural thing when you get stunned? Natural thing is your hands go up, your feet spread apart a little bit. So that's why they teach how to draw your gun and come to that. I don't know really what they call it anymore. It's thumb, thumb rides thumb, but it's looks like an isosceles just with a, you know, a wider or not as wide, but a, a wide stance a little farther than shoulder width, because that's how your hands will go. So the draw is the same thing. comes up your chest, and you're putting your gun out. And with a rifle, same thing. Your hand just goes forward. But the thumbs are both up and on the same side. Uh, It's just consistency of training. And just to let you know, Angel, that was just a point of fact. And and when you do panic, you will grip tighter. That's why when you train, you want to hold your weapon a a little looser because you're going to grip it tighter when you're having rounds come down. Am I lying, Kate? You are not lying. It's second nature. The more you train, the more it's second nature. It's, mm-hmm. you, you, you train dry fire. If you cannot afford ammunition, train dry fire. Um, and you, one of the things that we are going to have at the global survival ex- exigency training is we are going to have, it will, will not be live fire, but they are going to think it is live fire. Because right. the, 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 when, when they, they choose their teams and they are on teams, they need to learn what it is like to be under fire. They need yep. to learn what it is like to grab your buddy who has been injured at, while they are under fire and pull them out and still have to fire. Yep. How, to, how to grab a child or an infant. Because you will do that in human trafficking. You will have to grab a child and you will have to run while you are shooting back. 
and that's all dead weight. It's just like rescues. I'll never forget. We would always have the rescue where you're having to t- take cover. It's one mm-hmm. of the train, but it's simunitions, you know. But right. there, you'd have somebody crouch down like they're a kid, and you just put your knee against them as you're firing from behind cover. So you've got them controlled because that kid could run right out into the fire. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's just like a horse. You know, a horse has its own mind. So do kids. What, and, uh, what, what we have learned to do with, it does not matter if it is a kid or an adult that we have been hired to rescue and that we, we are under contract for. It is, we have what we call a human leash. Yeah. Is soon as we are in contact with the individual, the individual is attached to the human leash. That way, if the person needs to feels the need to run or anything like that, it is like a bungee. They can only go so far, and then they you, they have to come back to you. You will never lose that person once that right. human leash is on them. That way, if you are under fire, that person can still get to cover while you are firing back. Right. That's if they're a competent adult. Yeah. That's if they're a competent adult, though. I mean, you know, a kid, you got to... Competent or otherwise, a a child um, with the human leash will still run because that is human instinct is to your life. It's it's a slight response. Right. They are going to run, but they are not going to be able to run far. Right. They can still go undercover. But you you will still have contact contact and control with that individual until it is safe enough for you to snatch that child and go because your team is going to have your back. You are the one if you are the one designated to grab that that individual that human being no matter what age it is you are now attached to that that human being no matter right. what that human so your team is going to have your back while you are escaping if. Right. If they have your back and you're still drawing fire, you you are still going to say, run to this spot over here and duck down. Well, you are still, um, you still have contact with that individual because of the human leash. Right. It all sounds weird, but you would have to see it to know what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I get it totally. I mean, you know, when you're doing uh, executive protection, it's just plates on, get the client out. Uh, and it's the same principle. The, the difference is uh, what I was talking about was in a war zone, you know, there's a kid, you know, you're trying to keep them from running out and getting shot because that's happened more than anybody wants to know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is that flight response, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, we're talking the same things, but I guess, uh, I'm not clear enough, but yeah, no, you were very clear on it. And I think the audience appreciates that, Kate. So that's awesome that, you know, that came out a little bit. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole, whole new world that a lot of people don't understand. And, uh, I, 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 I would always tell people, this is not what I do for a living and what you do for a living. It's not soldiering at all. No, it, it has aspects to it. It has aspects of law enforcement, but you got to be a jack of all trades. You got to be able to handle your own logistics. You know, you have to be able to have your own extraction plan 
in case everything goes tits up and out. And, and uh, no, no plan ever works, ever works. Right, I mean, right, you, right. Before you even go on a mission, you already have your operational plan, but you have contingency plans because you know that operational plan is not going to work as planned and trained for. So you've yes. already worked, worked on five or six different contingency plans, but you've already trained in advance for those contingencies. So if something happens, you can adapt to those contingencies. That's why it's so important to know your team, know your team's body language. If there's an eyebrow that is raised with a team member, that usually means something. Something. Or the flick, yeah. or the flick of a finger means something. You need to have your situational awareness. You need to be watching your team, and your team needs to be watching you. It's like a good dog handler. When the dog's ears go up, he knows the dog's on something. Watch and, that body language. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, and the same thing with a horse. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something called horse sense. Watch your horse. And it doesn't matter where you ride. You know, if, if the horse is reticent from going somewhere, well, maybe you're going towards a snake pit or you're running towards a cliff. You know, you it's help. kind of important. That's- old cowboy adage is if all else fails and you don't understand trust your horse mm-hmm. that's the truth and uh yeah so i mean getting back to the motorcycles or the atv thing that's that's one thing that you know i knew that you guys were already up the hill mm-hmm. and i knew what happened with me and I could hear everybody say, don't move and all that stuff. But that was ancillary. I knew what I had to do. And then as soon as I knew I was not, honestly, I thought I was dead when it first happened as it was rolling, even though it was uh, so quick. I can I'm, just hear you in your mind. I'm dead and I've gone to hell because I can hear Kate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. It was hilarious. I, 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 once I realized I'm flat on the ground, I mean, you know, there was no loss of consciousness, nothing. And... I just said, okay, am I bleeding? Because I knew I got hit in the face by the handlebar. Uh, And then on the chest, I didn't know about until later. Um, As it was coming down on me, even though it was fast, it was like slow motion as it always is. Uh And uh, I was like, this is going to crack my skull. 600 pounds on a handlebar. Ow. My skull's done. I am God. And uh, once I knew I was fine, what did I do? I knew you guys were good, but I didn't know what was up with my teammate, my wife. So I was like, Chris, you okay? You know? And then I turn around and look at her when I finally realize my back's not broken. The way we bent, I'm surprised we didn't. Honestly, we should be quads. I am surprised you landed face down prone. Yeah. And you landed right in a patch of poison ivy. And got none. Got none. Yeah. Like I said, the blessings were full on that day, but it was a good day. Anyways, we'll get off that. That's just <laughs> self edifying BS. <laughs> but um, the important part is, I think the those are good principles. I think not just um, not just the traits, and not just your three principles. Mm-hmm. I think they're just good ways to live. And I mean, also you have to, a lot of people don't understand why uh, the military had uh, 
made it a crime to commit adultery or to be a homosexual. And it was because of blackmailability. You know, your wife, let's say you're a closeted homosexual. Your wife Mm -hmm. may know you're a homosexual. Your kids may know, but maybe not your mom, your dad, your grandparents. Right. There's all, and, and that's a weakness that a foreign enemy can exploit. And one of the reasons why we don't on our teams, there there are no crutches. Um, mm-hmm. No, nobody is married. Everyone is single, so they cannot. Yeah. If 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 one of us is captured, they cannot say, "I have a photograph." of your spouse and I will kill them if you do not do this or this. They do not have crutches. Like they do not smoke. They do not drink. I cannot say that they do not swear because I think I have heard every cuss word there is literally in the world um, because I work with these people um, and they know every cuss word and say every cuss word (laughs) in the world. And they do it. Well, you know, me and Bass, you know oh me and Baz, so you know the C word to us is just like uh, the F word over yeah. here. Right. Um, with with all of that being said, what people need to understand is in the private contracting industry is we are there to save lives. Yeah. We're not there to hurt people. We are there to save lives. We will hurt people if we have to defend ourselves. To. And, and that's it in a nutshell. You know, uh, now there are industry or there are contractors that do go out and fight wars. Absolutely. And and that that's good on them when I mean, I well, everybody knows what the hell I've done. It doesn't matter. But the point is, most of them are in some form of security. They protect nouns, persons, persons, places and things. And that's that's the normal contracting world. And uh you know, so a lot of people confuse that, even though it is a murky world, because there is a lot of overlap mm-hmm. uh, between that and mercenary. But right. in the end, mercenary, if you look it up in the dictionary, all that means is basically reward money for what you do. And um, but well, that, we didn't get paid. We did not get paid much. And right. <laughs> no matter what contract we had. My money, whatever it is that I got paid, went right back into the victims because they had nobody. No, I get you. I get you completely. I look at it like this. Um, your work is your reward, period. And if and if money is your major concern, you're in the wrong business. I've it always is, been like that. It is so. when that that six-year-old or seven-year-old child comes up to you after they've been rescued and they tug on your shirt sleeves and they say, thank you for saving me. There's your reward. It's it's madness. So anyways, why don't we uh, take a pause, go refill our sodas, and I've got a couple clips that I'm going to play, and uh, I think that's uh, what we're going to do right now. So... Let's let's jump on those clips real quick and we'll come back and maybe we'll I want to discuss one thing further with you. And that's uh, why there's less people being, quote unquote. And I think it's a faulty theory. Sheepdog uh, work. 
Mm. And we'll talk a little bit about the sheepdog theory and why I think it's a little faulty. Sicilians are great liars. Best in the world. I'm Sicilian. My father was the world heavyweight champion of Sicilian liars. From growing up with him, I learned the pantomime. There are 17 different things a guy can do when he lies to give himself away. Guy's got 17 pantomimes. Woman's got 20. Guy's got 17. But if you know them, like you know your own face, they'd be lie detectors all to hell. Now, what we got here is a little game of show and tell. You don't want to show me nothing, but you tell me everything. I know you know where they are, so tell me. Before I do some damage, you won't walk away from. Could I uh, <clears throat> have one of those Chesterfields now? You're Sicilian, huh? I read a lot, especially about things, about history. Here's a fact. I don't know whether you know or not. Well, Sicilians. You see, uh, Sicilians have uh, black blood pumping through their hearts. And, and no, if you, if, you, if you don't believe me, uh, you can look it up. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, you see, uh, the Moors conquered Sicily. So you see, way back then, uh, Sicilians were like uh, wops from northern Italy. Uh, they all had blonde hair and blue eyes. But, uh, well, then the Moors moved in there and, uh, well, they changed the whole country. They did so much fucking with Sicilian women, huh? That they changed the whole bloodline forever. That's why. Blonde hair and blue eyes became black hair and dark skin. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me to think that to this day, hundreds of years later, that Sicilians still carry that gene. Now this, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm quoting history. It's written. It's a fact. It's written. I love this guy. We're meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multi-dollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. 
and you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compute the price-cost probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. Why me? Because you're on television, dummy. Sixty million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. There's something called the sheepdog theory. And that means who keeps the sheep safe? It's that one sheepdog, right? Because of the wolves that want to eat the sheep. But the reason why it's faulty is wolves travel in packs. I don't care how super bad any dog is. If they're not in a pack, they're not as strong as the pack. And so I say you need another wolf pack to counteract the wolves. But those wolves have to be like timber wolves where they're somewhat domesticated. But they also know their enemy and they're trained to go after other wolves, which they're going to do anyways because of their territorial. And now that's a touchy situation with a lot of people because they'll say you can't really ever be sure of a wolf's nature. Well, you can't a dog's nature either. And I would love your thoughts on that, Kate. Yeah, I disagree with that because I used to raise Alaskan timber wolves. Right. And I was the only human that they had contact with. And I can guarantee you, I was part of the pack. And right. Right. if, if the, yeah, territorial, yes, very territorial. Um, yet 
if I brought a second person in or a second uh, cub in, they would accept that cub unless I was not with that cub in the introduction. Mm -hmm. Now, they will go after another pack. And I agree, you, you need to have a pack to counteract a pack, but they do not have to be domesticated or trained. They already know how to be a wolf. Right. But they don't know the domestication was to, so they don't go back to their wildness and attack a sheep. That was the point of it. Correct. You know? Correct. So that's the only thing that differs, I think, or I didn't make clear in my, uh, in my uh, accounting of why the sheepdog theory was faulty because the lone sheepdog is a badass. He might take two or three of those wolves out. But if he's got six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the pack, he's not getting them all. That's right. And he's going to die. And so you've lost a good dog. And so that's why. And, and the reason why I bring that up, the two clips you heard, one covers the corporation and how the, the world is made up and the realities of it, the cold realities. And the other one is about Sicilians. And uh, it's from uh, True Romance, and the other one was from the movie Network. And uh, where the guy points out, you know, this, that, and the other, and ends up getting his brains blown out. And he's like, it's just facts, right? And uh, so that's kind of the nature of it. But now you see something unique. You said earlier, and I'm glad you touched on it earlier, how few people are doing it now. Well, a lot of it has to do with the thankless job. Uh, policing or contracting, it's thankless 100% of the time. It is. But to have the populace in some cities turn their backs on the police because of politics, and that's all it is, because on November 4th, after the election, the people will be screaming for police because everything you're looking at is just a setup. And if you don't take care of your police, then it's going to be on you. And how many of you are trained? That's something to think about. Your protection is your training and ability to protect. That's a fact. Your thoughts, Kate? There are a lot of people out there that do not know what to do in an emergency situation. Um, There was... A good example is um, several months ago, there was, uh, right when this COVID stuff was happening, um, there was a lady in a grocery store who was bent over her cart. She could not even pay for her groceries. It was like $27 worth of groceries. We paid for her groceries. Um, I was directly behind her. Um we walked her out to her vehicle and there were some Cretans, goofy looking fellas standing at the, at the door watching her. They were not watching us. Their situational awareness was, was really crap. Um, they were busy watching her because they thought she was an easy target. And we're walking out the door and we are noticing that these guys are starting to follow this lady. Well, she got out to her vehicle and they, the, the guy pulled a knife, give me your purses. And we pulled our guns. 
you you really want to go there? Oh yeah, well yeah. Well, the police came. The police came and arrested him, and off they went. Okay, now with that scenario said, I watched a video of just recently of these Black Lives Matter with these signs that says defund the police, defund the police. We don't need the police. We don't want anything to do with the police. And then this white guy is just prancing through all these all these Black Lives Matter, and they start ganging up on this white guy, and this white guy beats the snot out of a couple of the Black Lives Matter. And then now you can hear them screaming, the same ones that are holding the signs, and they're screaming, call the police, call the cops, yep. because this white guy just beat him up. Well, nobody was prepared except for this this white guy. Nobody's prepared. Who is prepared when lawlessness breaks? When there well, is no rule of law, who is prepared? Right. Well, here, here's the key, I think, to that. And that's Black Lives Matter really isn't black about black lives anymore. It was completely co-opted. Antifa just renamed, rebranded themselves because they're considered a terrorist cell. And, yeah. and their funding goes to Act Blue... And they siphon it off to uh, three, four, well, two former presidential candidates on the left, and then Biden, and uh, it's one, two, and three respectively, and two of them are communists. Biden's just a useful idiot. So, and I'm not getting political. I'm just talking about that, and that's my opinion. You guys can differ with me, and that's okay. But it is a Maoist organization. And if you disbelieve, look at the first leadership of it before this ever happened back in 2015, 2016, when the six cops got killed in, um, in uh, Dallas, Texas, by a Black Lives Matter activist with mm-hmm. a rifle. Yeah, so that's a fact. And so their purpose is to get rid of the police so they can have lawlessness. Because they, but there's always got to be a police, right? So they envision themselves. Look at the chopper, the chaz, whatever you want to call it. They had guys walking around with guns that had no training or little training and very little trigger discipline. And the proof of the matter is a black kid driving an SUV with his friend. There's over 300 bullet holes in that SUV when all they were doing was joyriding. And he was a kid. And everybody forgets. What about his life? Oh, I guess some lives matter more than others. Right. And uh, that's not the way it is. And when people say all lives matter, it's not a besmirchment of black lives. It means all life. And they don't want to listen to that because their Marxism and their Maoism, they have to support abortion for population control. And Margaret Sanger, she was an evil, evil bitch. And she's the one who started Planned Parenthood. A lot of people don't grasp the deep roots of this stuff. And uh, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. My perspective. All, well, all lives matter. Um, yep. I am, I, I believe that there's, I'd say, Maybe 95% of the Black Lives Matter people are narcissistic. It is all about me. Give me, give me, give me. And you are wrong no matter what you do or say. And I am right. And I will come against you otherwise if you disagree with me. 
Well, is that not what the United States of America is about? Is that everyone has opinions? That everyone, uh, an opinion is just that. They're just words. But it's right, and they, opinion. It is not they, a matter of fact. It is an opinion. So respect that other person's opinion and move on. Or uh, that's the glory of the First Amendment. You know, that you have the right to peaceful protest, not have riotous behavior and mayhem and bedlam. That's not it what the like, First Amendment covers. And is, what is going on in in Seattle and Portland and Louisville and and Atlanta and a whole bunch of other places that what is going on there is not peaceful protest. Well, the mayor. Like, there's this one guy. This the, he's a black militia leader or something like that in Louisville, Kentucky, and he gave the Kentucky Attorney General four weeks to wrap up the investigation of the the death of this nurse that the police killed. And yet, yes, it was a wrongful death. Everybody agrees with that. But how can one man hold hostage an attorney general and say, this is what you are going to do or we're going to burn down Louisville? Because some cities and some states have willing accomplices. Look, uh, this is nope. something I researched. This is something is going to come down out of the mountains, and they're going to do away with this. this yeah, this. but yeah, but that that's not what we want, though. See, see, that's the whole thing. Anyways, I don't want to get into the, the boogaloo and all that stuff. But my point is that that's why the sheepdogs, if you believe in the sheepdog theory, aren't flocking. Recruitment of police is not even really existent now so you're not and people who are close to retirement guess what they're taking their buyouts they're getting the hell out of it because these mayors these governors that are allied quote unquote with b and notice blm you see more white faces and black faces and they're all all the troublemakers for the most part have been white marxist the colleges are pumping them out and uh, it's disgusting. They get inculcated into it. That's what cultural Marxism is, i.e. Uh, shutting down people's voice. See, the First Amendment also covers freedom of speech. And it explicitly covers the speech that's not good, no matter what it is. Because in the end, you have to have free and open debate to actually come to uh, There's a guy, Daryl something or other. He's pulled people out of the clan. He's a black guy, jazz musician. I can't remember how many, but it's in the hundreds. He's pulled out of the clan. He's pulled out of the Aryan movement. And that's the kind of thing that should be lauded. But instead, what do we do? There's this mythical, there's a Nazi everywhere. Well, I've said this in shows before. When everyone's a Nazi, no one is. Right. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because then... You can get people that are screwed up in the head, I, you hey. know, like like a certain person that we both know, and uh, and they like to try to play games and the piss poor, you know, people. And I don't mean poor people as in poor or you know down on their luck or something. 
I mean, yeah. piss poor in in their uh, in their thought processes. Psych- psychological issues. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's the whole point of the whole thing. Is just my whole point of this was to an angel. You tell me. You are the uh, show's uh, bellwether as to whether it was clear or not on the sheepdog thing and why we do not have, why we have a shortage of protectors now. No, you're uh, actually 100% correct. Uh, The uh, point you made about the schools pumping these Marxists out is exactly what the issue is. That's why you see all these young kids out there and they're all, you know, usually white or second generation Latinos, uh, like an AOC for example, right. she was a complete Marxist. And she was, uh, you know, coached to be this since she was in college. Uh, she was recruited while she was part of a socialist Democrat group. Uh, her brothers wanted to send her up for a gig that she went in, into audition for, and she got it, and now she's in Congress. That was the gig she auditioned for with Young Turks. They're all yep. Marxists. Chink Jaeger. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And yep. uh, this has been going on for the last at least 20 years, but it got really bad the last 10 years with Obama. Uh, his yep. eight years were really uh, skyrocketed. But I say re- really this mentality started with uh, when we had Bill Clinton in office because he was so yep. popular at the time that that's when everything kind of like went into that direction. And even when Bush was in, in his term, uh, you know, Bush Jr., um, his eight years, you could already see that change happening within the country. And even 9-11, I mean, look at the players involved there. It's all yep. going in that direction. So, Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Dangerous mentality, man. That's If you pump these people out, this is where you're going to get, you know? And uh, right now we're seeing the – this is a sample size of how bad it could get. Venezuela oh, is oh. a sample size of how bad it could get here because of the population. So, oh scary. yeah, oh yeah, and and uh, we can talk about that issue another time, I guess, because I'm sure we're burning minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but um, the I guess the juxtaposition that I'll say is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, except for in the Overton window. With this extreme push to the left, there's going to be an overreaction. And that's what they don't understand. And there's a reason why people are now the largest gun sales ever. And when people say it started under Clinton, I always have to remind them about George Bush Sr.'s thousand points of light speech where he said a kinder, gentler, more politically correct society. Right. And that's where yeah. our political correctness started. Yeah. And. Yeah. And and it's globalist. And then we get Trump in. When you see the neocons and the neoprogs, progressives, when you see them uh, equally hate somebody like they do President Trump, then he's probably doing something right because he's probably about to blow everything up. And they've kept him busy with lawsuits and investigations for four years that have been fruitless. And they just know that their apple cart's going to get overturned. And so everybody's well, fighting him now. If they cannot, if they cannot get you legally, then they will ca- uh, character assassinate you. Um, they will vilify you. They will take the press and they will um, do everything they can in gang stalking and 
and do everything they can to knock you down. They do it consistently in small towns against people, business people or people that, that they do not like. They will destroy an individual to get their way. Exactly. And we have about a minute left. Thank you very much, Kate. And I have to shout out PSN Radio. I always give the shout out before I close everything out. I have to shout out uh, uh, WPRPN and also ACR, um, Alternative Current Radio, and uh, the Boiler Room, where I normally hang out. Uh, With that being said, thank you guys for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. Finish your coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation as you slowly get off my orange couch. And I'm slowly raising the drawbridge so you can meander on out of Kaiser's Castle. With that being said, shuff out. Time to 